and welcome to the North American Ag Spotlight. I'm Chrissy Wozniak. My guest today is a crop consultant at Ember Co-op and is from Eastern Ontario, Canada. And she's been an inspiration since the moment I met her years ago. I don't even remember where now, which farm show. I know it was a farm show. I'm not sure which one, um, but she's only become more of an inspiration since that time. And uh, as she's recently faced a battle with cancer and has shared her journey from day one with her beloved friends and family in agriculture. And uh, as the first Ag Spotlight episode of the new year, 2022, I could think of no one more worthy of having in the spotlight than the ever hope-filled and agriculturally passionate Kelsey Banks. Welcome, Kelsey. And thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you for your kind words. And thank you for having me on today. So first of all, can you tell me about why you have a love of farming and where it came from? Yeah, so to be honest, I think it's that I just, you know, grew up into it. Like I was literally born into farming. Um, Just like both sides of my family, um, both my mom's side and dad's side, they both had farms and everything. And then, um, and and just growing up, I was always surrounded by like agriculture business um, because like with my both sides of my grandparents, um, they both worked in egg business and like uh, both sets worked in egg business along with farming. Plus, um, you know, my dad being an agronomist and everything, I grew up around it and just it 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 was instilled into me like how important agriculture is and how um how many opportunities there are within agriculture and it really it it just it, you know the love started there and uh kind of kept growing and um with my grandpa specifically um my grandpa Curtis uh we started growing um pumpkins and that uh and through that, that love for pumpkins, you know, like people it, it joke around a little bit and say I'm the pumpkin queen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do love me pumpkins. That's it. That's for sure. But um I uh you know, stuff like that. I just it it, it just as I say, it, I was literally I feel like born into it and I love it. That's cool. So what is it about agronomy in particular that's so fulfilling to you? I think for me, um, I see, I guess I grew up more on the agronomy side of things rather than the livestock side of things. Um, but for me, I could, I remember seeing, um, if like, I remember growing up and seeing, you know, like a stressed out farmer that my dad or someone was working with. And then, you know, they would do some recommendations or they would help them out with something. And, it was just a look of joy. And for me, that's why, um, you know, I love what I do, but I also get like, you know, I get to be a part of that. And for me, like agronomy, it just keeps growing. Like there's a, a, you know, it's one sector of agriculture that's really should be split up into like (laughs) 10 sectors. Um, just with precision agriculture and to me it's just so cool to see like something growing like that and and it's a business and it's just it's it's great like I love I love the world of agronomy and learning more and more yeah that's for sure it's it's never ending right so mm-hmm. cool. yeah and, and what's your role at Embern Co-op now 
Uh, so I'm a crops consultant with Embrin Co-op. And uh, if you don't know where Embrin is, it's in eastern Ontario. So uh, the I, I always say the great eastern Ontario because it's awesome here. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and uh, my role is mainly working with farmers and uh, kind of in eastern Ontario, uh, mainly I should say in eastern Ontario. And helping them put together like their cropping plans and their soil health plans and um, making recommendations for product and uh, and then also a bit of a sales aspect to it as well. So it's pretty great. I absolutely love it. I've been working in egg retail now for five years, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's been nothing but awesome. So lots of learning you get a little bit of everything in ag retail so you, you know it's not just seed it's not just chemical like crop protection that's everything I love it that's so cool so now switching gears a little bit tell me a little bit about your battle with the now famous villain Bob um oh boy where would you like me to start is a better question <laughs> yeah um yeah so I i was diagnosed with a grade two astrocytoma, which is a, um, which is a form of a brain tumor, a cancerous brain tumor in, on January 23rd, 2020. So, um, hard to believe that was only a year and a little bit ago. Um, but, uh, almost, wow, almost two years ago. Yeah. Um, and, uh, when I got diagnosed, uh, I did not see it coming at all. I was, you know, Chrissy, like I, you know, I'd go to farm shows. I was always really busy, like involved with everything. And I just, I, I was kind of like living the, the, the travel, like the, you know, the the work life life and (laughs) everything. Yeah. Like it was everything. I was farming at the same time. I don't know how I did it looking back. Um, but you know, I, I was doing a lot and, um, but because I was doing a lot, um, I was stressed a lot. And so I would get headaches every once in a while in, um, kind of a few previous months ahead. And I, I always thought it was just a headache, you know, uh, I mean, November, it's a pretty gray month and everything. And I thought maybe that was, it was just the weather because I tend to be affected by weather. Um, My headaches do. And, uh, and then in December, um, and this might be a little TMI, but I, uh, I want to talk about it because I want people to be aware of, you know, maybe you should go get checked out. Doesn't hurt to get checked out. Um, so I, uh, in December, uh, 2019, I was waking up in the morning sometimes and I'd have blood on my pillows and I didn't know what it was. Um, I just kind of like did whatever, uh, at the time, I guess I was, uh, I was 26. So at the time I just <laughs> kind of like, you know, well, whatever, it's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah, I'm exhausted, but I'm sure it's like just me being working hard or something like that. And then, um, and at the time I had a roommate, but he lived upstairs and then I lived downstairs. So, you know, it's not like he would have known or or anything, but it actually turned out that I was having nocturnal seizures. 
Um, wow. Yeah. So basically like while I was asleep, they were happening and they didn't happen all the time, but they happened like uh, frequently enough that, you know, I was noticing and the blood was actually from, uh, biting my tongue from, yeah, again, didn't really put like two and two together because you know what 26 year old thinks that they're that anything like that is wrong like you just kind of keep going um and going and then um and then just after Christmas so I'm always a little bit nervous around December 28th because that was the day that um I had a very bad significant it's called the grand mal seizure when your whole body is going through the seizure. And, um, and I, it happened while I was at my grandparents in Orangeville for uh, Christmas supper. And um, I ended up uh, going to the getting going to the emergency room at the hospital there. And they released me thinking that I had pneumonia. Not sure how pneumonia and cancer oh, wow. come together. But they put me on these antibiotics. But the good thing was, is that the uh, that the doctor actually put me, um, through to, uh, had referred me, sorry, to an ear, nose, throat specialist because my tongue was literally like a Chrissy. I, I'm not exaggerating. It was like, it was like, a, a, a like almost like a golf ball. Like it was so swollen. Yeah. Um, so like I couldn't eat or anything. So he, so I went and saw this, this, um, ear, nose, throat specialist and Dr. Adele and Orangeville. And he said, well, you know, he didn't really quite know what was going on with my tongue. Um, so he sent me in for an MRI and again, 26 years old at the time, didn't really know what was going on. Didn't understand what an MRI even really was. I just knew it was a scan. So went to Guelph and uh, the hospital there, got an MRI done, uh, kind of, I think it was a couple weeks later. And then all within one week of um, getting the MRI done, I was diagnosed with cancer in, wow. in Toronto at St. Mike's Hospital. Um, it was, uh, it, it was very difficult to be told that I had cancer but you know um for me like the the initial reaction was shock I didn't know what to think Mm -hmm. um and then from there it uh while like while I was listening to the doctor you know to be honest I don't even remember what he said after that he was telling me something about like where like what was going on and and you know, that I had to have surgery. Um, But then I I said, but I can still drive, right? And he said, uh, and he said, no, well, and then, you know, I I feel for him that he didn't know where Drayton was, which is where I was living at the time in a small town. And he was like, oh, well, like, I'm sure Drayton has public transportation. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) He's never been to Drayton. (laughs) No. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I was really upset and I started like sobbing because I couldn't believe like I'm, I'm a very independent person to me that like losing my license at that time was worse than the cancer itself. Like, um, because I lost my independence. That's what it felt like to me. Yeah. And 
I couldn't believe that, you know, like I was being told like, well, you're not allowed to work. You're not allowed to, you know, to do, to drive. You're not allowed to do anything. Like my, my life literally did a 180 that day. Wow. And I didn't know what to do other than, you know, and, and my dad, I'm very grateful for him and always will be because he, that day, he, he, well, the day before, sorry. Um, I had been at a, like a certified crop advisors, um, meeting workshop in Woodstock and, uh, I couldn't, I didn't know what was going on because I didn't have my, well, I had my phone on me, but I didn't have any service in the room we were in. And, uh, he, and my dad had been visiting my grandparents and he was heading back East to Eastern Ontario where, where he lives. And he, uh, he had gotten a call from the doctor, from the ear, nose, throat specialist saying, you need, like, we can't get a, a hold of Kelsey. Is there any way you can get a hold of her? Because we, we, she needs to be downtown Toronto, like tomorrow morning at 10 AM or whatever it was. And he was like, obviously very concerned and didn't know what, what was going on. So he was able, he got a hold of me through the hotel. He called the hotel cause he knew where I was and everything. And then he, uh, um, and then this like hotel staff, like burst through the doors during the workshop and said, um, is there a Kelsey Banks here? And I said, I kind of looked at him like, yes. And so there's an important phone call for you upstairs, but you need to come now. And I thought, oh boy. And of course I immediately think what's wrong. Like that is something wrong with my grandparents or my dad or my brothers or something. And, um, and, and I get on the phone and it's my dad. And he says, uh, so Dr. Adele called and I, they wouldn't tell him any info because I'm over 18. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but you know, they, they call Dr. Riddell and then call me right back. So I called Dr. Riddell's office. Well, Dr. Riddell himself answered. Wow. He said, you, he said, you need to be downtown Toronto at St. Mike's hospital tomorrow morning. Um, your appointment was Dr. Doss and who's a neurosurgeon. Um, and like, and talk with him. I, he thought that I may have a cyst was what he had thought it, it might be, but he said, he's not a neurologist. He's not a radiologist. So he can, you know, read the scans exactly. So I just thought honestly that it was like just reading the scans. Like I didn't think anything of it. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then when I got there and he, and Dr. Doss was the one who diagnosed me and uh, he, had, and he, he said, you know, I, you know, and I, I still remember like, you know, he reached out his hands to hold my hands and I was like, so confused. Like, I was like, what is going on? And then he told me, said, you know, I, I just said, you seem like the kind of, the kind of woman that you just like to be told straight up what's going on. And I said, yeah. I am. And he said, well, I want, you need to know that you've, I, that I am diagnosing you with grade two cancer at the time. They didn't know if it was an oleodendroglioma or an astrocytoma. Um, I am diagnosing you with uh, brain cancer. And uh, yeah. So a lot changed in that day. I, as I say, I 
lost my license. I, um, I ended up like having to move back home, back East, um, after like, you know, starting up my life and I was farming, um, on the, my grandparents farm and everything. And I was, you know, doing a lot and had, had to make it all come to a halt. Um, and this was like right before COVID. Right. So it was tough. Um, but you know, I, uh, you know, I think that we all need to allow ourselves to feel the emotion. Like if something's going wrong, like you're allowed to cry. Right. You're, you know, and I think that, and you're allowed to feel angry. You're allowed to feel how you feel, but you know, um, for me, I ended up coming to acceptance and accepting that, you know what, I'm going to have this surgery. And at the time he thought that I just needed surgery. So he he said, oh yeah, you'll probably be back to work in like, you know, June. So I was like, oh yeah, sure. This looks great. So when downtown Toronto again in February, like not even three weeks later, February 18th, I had my brain surgery, the tumor removal done, but it was only partially removed because there was two pieces of it that are sitting on memory and speech. And, um, my, my surgery was actually done, uh, while like they put me like asleep for the like beginning, but then they woke me up in the middle of it to do tests uh, to see like about like my memory and my late, like my speech wow. and everything. Yeah. And I, I still remember, um, like the, like certain parts of it and everything. And it's just, it's so, you know, in a way though, you know, you think of agriculture though, and how things have moved forward in agriculture. Well, it's the same in the medical world. They, they guess, yeah. forward too. Right. So, um, so I had that done. And then he told me after that, that uh, the surgery went well. The only thing was it was a partial removal, not a full removal because mm-hmm. there was the, the two pieces. So he ended up uh, sending me to um, Sunnybrook hospital in Ottawa, sorry, in Toronto and to talk to them about chemo, two oncologists about chemotherapy and radiation. So I went there, had the big meeting and everything. And then um and I remember that was when it really hit. I walked into the cancer center at Sunnybrook and started sobbing and could not stop. Oh, I bet. There's like seeing people looking just, they looked like they were done. Like they felt like I, I, I'm a bit of a people reader, I guess you could say. And for me just to see people so, so sad and, you know, like they, like some people, they were by themselves. And I just was thinking like, you know, and you don't know anyone's story until they tell you. And it just like, it broke my heart. There were, there were little, like there was this, there was, I remember seeing a, a young, like she was probably around my age. She was probably like 20, she well, maybe a couple years younger. And, you know, she had, uh, and she, she, had she was completely bald and she was stick thin and I and everything and then there's another lady though and she and you could tell like she was swollen but like and I was like 
like I just couldn't believe that this is cancer like this is this is happening mm-hmm. um I didn't know what to expect um and I'd had an I'd had a seizure after surgery um you know and that's they say that's common though because well they've been in there and everything and your body's under a lot of stress um so then yeah I ended up um they made the plan so uh in June June 1st uh so sorry I should back up due to COVID they ended up I was supposed to start radiation in April and then COVID hit (laughs) in March and it really shuffled a lot of things around, I guess. Um, as, as I'm sure you know. And so I ended up uh, going to um, getting, uh, going, going to the, going to move, like move everything back to Eastern Ontario. Cause it was just going to be hectic, like to try and move everything and try and be like, you know, conscious of COVID and everything. Cause I was immunocompromised with everything going on it made more sense to move everything to Eastern Ontario. Right. Um, and looking back now, I'm very glad that that happened, that mm-hmm. I was able to move that back. So I moved everything East and, uh, and I ended up um, starting radiation on June 1st and did 30 treatments. So it was Monday to Friday. Um, yeah. <laughs> did 30 treatments and then ended up, uh, taking, I think it was a five week break between radiation and then started, uh, started chemo on September 7th in 2020. And then, um, officially, uh, stopped, uh, chemo in on March 14th, 2021 and went into remission. It's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) It's amazing. Wow. And, and so many of us follow you on the various social media platforms. And what really impacted me the most about your experience is the hope and positivity that you projected. Like even in the darkest times, we knew you were struggling, but you always showed that glimmer of light and faith that you were going to win. So how did you manage to keep that frame of mind? Well, I'm not going to lie. There were a lot of days where I would wake up and and think like, is this how the rest of my life is going to be like stuck in bed because I, I'm so weak. I can't get out of bed Yeah. or, or, and I, you know, I, I felt like depressed about what was going on, but then, you know, for the most part though, you're right. I was very positive and I still am very, you know, positive that things will get better for me. The biggest thing though, well, it was two things. The first thing was my mindset. I kept my mind thinking that, you know, what and what and what can you control like in this situation? You know, I can't control, yes, I have cancer, mm-hmm. but I can control though that, you know, I want to feel good about going to radiation, for example. So I would so I had a playlist that I would always have play like, or not always have playing, but I'd have different songs playing and everything throughout radiation and that I would bring. And it was always like really like motivational, fun songs and everything. Um, and then it was just the power of music and it kept my mind, 
thinking positively too. The other thing too was the support though of my of my friends and family. Um, you know, I remember like of course this was of going through COVID and everything, right? So I remember one time uh, I was really upset, and you know, my dad was telling me, and I was like, you know, well, what if it comes back? Like, what what if I go through all of this and then it comes back? And he said to me, he said, well. But by that point, there might be new technology out and there might be new. Yeah, like there might be new methods of treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it does come back and I came to acceptance and I guess that's kind of, you know, I mentioned that before, but I came to acceptance that, you know, what? Yes, I have cancer, but what can I do about it? Well, the only thing I can do is do the best to stay positive and think that and and remind myself that you know I can get through this I just have to get get through the the next piece of the of this puzzle so I just need to be able to get through that next radiation treatment or I need to get through the next um uh appointment or whatever it was and um and you know like I the other thing too is I started getting into like meditation um and I, I can't, I can't talk about it enough because I absolutely fell in love with meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is life-changing. <laughs> I, do you meditate, Chrissy? No, I, I pray, but I yeah. Don't, yeah. No, um, I, so I pray as well, but mm-hmm. I also meditate and I just, it, it helps me so much manage the stress of what I was going through at the time. Um, and even now I still meditate because I find I'm just amazed how well it helps me with stress management and my positivity and reminding myself that like, I can do this. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's incredible though. The amount of, um, it just the, what I was thinking is that at the time was that, you know, it sucks to be in the situation that I'm in, but I am very grateful that I have access to um, the, the doctors that I do have um, like special shout out to Dr. Doss from St. Mike's hospital in Toronto and Dr. Nicholas, my oncologist from the Ottawa hospital cancer center. Um, but, and I, I have access to food on the table because, and I have access to great support through my dad I have access to clean water, you know, like I would always see, okay, but you know, I'm, I'm so grateful though, for the things that I have in my life. And this cancer is just one little thing I can, I can deal with it. Yeah. That's amazing. And, and what role did your faith have in in all of this? Um, I prayed a lot and, and just, I really wanted to make sure that you know, like I, I wasn't, I didn't want to complain to God about what I was, about what I was going through. I wanted to thank him for giving me the opportunity to realize that, you know what, maybe I did need to slow down because, well, look at me now I'm back East working back East. And I was in Western Ontario. I was in Saskatchewan before, and I, want and you know don't get me wrong those experiences have helped shape who I am today and I'm glad that I did those but I realized while I was sick that I wanted to be home 
this is home. Eastern Ontario is home to me. So, and you know, I just, I always like, I believe that God has a plan laid out for all each and every one of us. And that, you know what, maybe, maybe I needed to, maybe I got cancer because I needed, maybe he believed that I needed to stop and take a break and figure out what I wanted to do in my life to lead me to come back home. Right. Yeah. That's, that's an incredible way to look at it. And I think it's so important for all of us to think about not only what other people are going through, but really to appreciate every moment of every day. And so looking back now, how has the whole experience shaped the way that you think about life now? Um, now I am. So during cancer treatment, I, I was grateful for every day. And now I am even more grateful for every day because now I, if I can wait, when I wake up in the morning, the fact that I can, you know, I, I can get up and I can breathe. I, I can eat, I can do all these things and I can drive again. Yay. <laughs> um, yeah, Great. that's the major one. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I just, I feel so grateful though now. And, you know, the other thing too is like when I talk about, like when I was talking about meditation and stress management, you know, like before I used to get like really bad anxiety or I'd get kind of nervous and, and be worried over such little things. And then now I'm like, you know what? Like I got through cancer, like I battled yeah, you cancer got this. and I won, like <laughs> yeah. I can deal with this. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and I'm just, you know, as I say, I'm grateful to be alive. I'm grateful that, um, that I'm still here. I, I know that my tumor is what they call low grade, high risk, meaning that it has a high risk of coming back, but I'm going to do what I can and technology will keep evolving and hopefully I will never be diagnosed again. And I really pray that no one else is diagnosed with this. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, on a smaller scale for me, the pandemic was even a huge wake up call. And I think a lot of people feel that way. We really have to live life to the fullest every Mm -hmm. day and don't put off fulfilling your dreams till tomorrow. Like that's pretty much what inspired me to move to Southwest Florida last summer, right? (laughs) It's, you know, like you can't just put it off and say, well, someday we don't, we don't have any promises on someday. We have to do it now. So what is your advice as we all begin 2022? As we begin 2022, I I think that everyone should write out five things that you are grateful for and five things that you need in your life and five things that you want in your life. Wow. And I think that you should look at all of those things together and see how you can make your wants a dream come true. That's awesome advice. Yeah. And then now, as we think about farmers, there's, there's so much going on for farmers in our, in our industry. Right. And, you know, from so many directions, fuel increases, supply chain, weather, inflation. So what do you think, their challenges look like what does that does that look like going into 2022 and what can they do to overcome well 
I think that the first thing we need to look at, though, with, with all of these challenges is what opportunities does this offer us? Because one thing, um, so one of the products that a lot of farmers are talking about right now that is, is kind of uh, held up by supply just due to the supply chain and manufacturing and everything is glyphosate. And we, as most farmers, they use that every year as part of their their crop protection program with their weed control. And the reality is though, that now we're seeing a lot more um, glyphosate resistant weeds coming out and we're discovering that. So in my opinion, I think that this might be a good opportunity where we can get into working with different, with different crops that, you know, you can still grow soybeans, but it just might have to be like a different variety that has a different genetic mutation to it that it's able to take, that's able to um, handle like 2,4-D and Liberty, for example. So like some of those like enlist varieties. So, you know, maybe this is a good opportunity because then it's going to be better. You, you'll be able, you may be better to control the weeds using a different or sorry, you will be able to better control the weeds using a different right. group, um, like herbicide active. So I think that this is a really good opportunity in that sense. And I think that we need to kind of shift our thinking a little, which is, is very tough in these times. And don't get me wrong. I realize we still need glyphosate. Um, mm-hmm. but And I realize that we, we still need fertilizer. But again, maybe this is an opportunity where you can think, okay, well, what do I want to be growing next year when it comes to fertilizer? What do I want to be growing next year that it, you know, is it, if it's soybeans, for example, um, don't be doing like, don't be putting soybeans on soybeans. Well, if there's residual nitrogen from the, like from the year before, maybe this is an opportunity where you can put, you know, um, like putting wheat there uh, or corn there. And then that way you're using up the natural nitrogen that's already there. Um, And, you know, that kind of thing. I think the other thing too is, you know, just, just for the farmers and, and for egg retails and everyone in egg, the egg, I guess, egg business, egg world. um, Just it's, everyone is stressed right now because of the shortages and of the price increases and everything. But, you know, let's be kind to each other in 2022 because like already there's been some, there's been some anger or some stress. And I think we need to realize that everyone's feeling that. That's it. Yeah. A little grace can go a long way right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but remember that you're, you know, the people that are working at the egg retail are there to help you and they're, they're not trying to, you know, get every penny out of you right now. They're trying to help you and figure it out. So, you know, have just work together. Yes. Not against each other. Excellent advice. So where can people find you, follow your journey, connect with you over agronomy? Yeah. So um, if you go on Twitter, uh, my handle is Kelsey Banks. Very easy. It's (laughs) K-E-L-S-E-Y-B-A-N-K-S. And um, you can also also find me on LinkedIn uh, as well. Um, And yeah, I guess that's kind of how you can find me. Or if you go on the Embrin Co-op website and you go to 
uh, the crops division uh, and then crop representatives. I'm listed there. <laughs> awesome. Very good. And I have one last question. So after all of this, what were you put on this earth to accomplish? Do you know that now? And do you have a, do you know your purpose? I think my purpose is that I, I was put on this earth to, to make people make farmers smile. <laughs> and I know that yeah, sounds I so, that. <laughs> I know that sounds so, uh, oh, I love I don't it. know what the word is for that, but, uh, you know, I, like, I want to be able though, like for me, I always feel happiest whenever I can help a farmer and be able to say, okay, you know what, like, let's look at it this way, or let's, how do you feel about doing this or something like that with their agronomy and their crop planning and, and, you know, being able to see them smile and be, be happy about what's going on and say, you know what, you're right, I can do that. Like, I, I think my purpose is to make them smile and motivate them and say, yes, you can do it. Like, like, I'm here, you know, like, kind of, uh, like, you know, almost like holding your hand in quotations, you right. know, like yeah. along the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. So thank you so much for joining me. A great conversation. I really love your advice. And I totally appreciate you coming on today. Thank you for having me. And thanks to everyone who's watching or listening. If you want more information, uh, the links are provided in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe to North American Egg Spotlight on YouTube or Rumble or AgFuse. And the podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Amazon, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And have a great day. Thanks so much for listening to today's Egg Spotlight episode where we put the spotlight on people and companies doing great things for the agricultural industry. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, or on your favorite podcasting platform and give us a five-star review. You can also follow us on YouTube and Rumble to see the video version of Ag Spotlight. Also, head on over to NorthAmericanAg.com to subscribe to our Industry Connect update newsletter. If you're interested in advertising opportunities, email us at connect at NorthAmericanAg.com. Thanks for listening. Fastline Auctions, the ultimate destination for online farm equipment auctions. Looking to list equipment? Fastline Auctions knows farmers, and farmers have trusted Fastline for their equipment needs for over 45 years. With unmatched digital reach and direct-to-farmer catalogs, they can find the right buyer for your equipment. Not to mention, they have the industry's lowest commission rates. And if you're looking for equipment to buy, you can bid with confidence. No buyer premiums, no reserves, just integrity. Fastline Auctions, your trusted platform for hassle-free, cost-effective farm equipment auctions. Visit Fastline.com for more information. You can join us for a tour of the Fastline Auctions platform July 13th at 6.30 p.m. To register for this webinar, go to NorthAmericanAg.com slash Fastline hyphen webinar. That's NorthAmericanAg.com slash Fastline hyphen webinar to register now.